we might get names out of it. <laughs> you bought it Maybe. Notes. If I can read. I was like, yeah, that guy. That one. Mr. Scary. <laughs> Mr. Scary or Miss Thing. <laughs> no, not Miss Liar. Miss Thing. Yeah. Miss that one. Follow along. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Hey. Welcome to Platicast, an audio collage that's as processy, creative, intuitive, and messy as its creators. As queer Chicana traviesas, we're here to reclaim our voices, our process, and our coyote medicine, and we invite you to step out of the realm of the ordinary and take a deep dive into the mystery of what wants to be. This episode, we'd like to give a content warning as we do reference sexual assault. Hello, Podcast Landia. This is Marta. Welcome back, and thank you for joining Jeff and I as we review another episode in the Sandman series out on Netflix. In these episodes, you'll be hearing from Jeff, who has a long history and familiarity with the Sandman graphic novel series. You'll also be hearing from myself, who will be watching this show with fresh eyes. So gather around the virtual campfire as we dive into another episode of The Sandman. So yeah, final episode of this season. Ten Lost Hearts. Well, this is the one that made me cry. Really? Uh-huh. What made you cry? Um, where Morpheus finally came to the realization about his place in things mm. and acknowledging the people around him when he was recreating the nightmares as the dream she wanted to be. Yeah. And he was being honest with um, Lucian and her. Uh-huh. And... Um, I was just like, yeah, it's hard to change. It's hard to come through and recreate yourself. And it was just, yeah, it was so hard to see these glimmers in him of like him being able to reach out and make these connections and like grow. Mm -hmm. And then like to see the, the pushback where he was just like, no, I'm, I'm on my own. I'm going to do this all by myself. And then just to see that come around and like, you know, rebirthing her the way she wanted to be. You know, and, and, and admitting to Lucian and, and it was just that. Yeah, that was that was great. Mm -hmm. That touched me. Yeah, I can definitely see why, you know, it's like there was his transformation and it wasn't in this way that you normally would see where, you know, the protagonist is almost dying, you know, almost has to physically die before mm -hmm. they have some kind of transformation, you know. That scene was so beautiful because when Galt was transformed into the dream she wanted to be, you know, she looked like a fairy. Yeah. And you don't see black fairies often. It's so not what you get to see. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, it's, um, I think it's very important, especially for little kids to see that, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, 
Yeah, very beautiful. I love that. It's, it's very, um, that, that's the part that's very emotional for me, is to see that. So I'm wondering, like, um, there was tension when we were discussing the last ish episode, um, mm -hmm. sensitivity between like the work you've done in real life and, and seeing these, um, examples of mm. really hurting people, mm -hmm. hurting people. And I wondered what it was like for you, the, um, the resolution of the serial killers. I thought it was a little better because I think it was important for me anyway to see Dream address the issue, the bigger issue at hand, that it had gone kind of beyond just uh, stopping Corinthian, but stopping the mess he made, the horrible mess he made, and acknowledging the suffering that they've created, and then them having to feel that. I have to say that felt really good. Good. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so often um, in movies, and this is very American, mm. if there's a problem, you shoot it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, there, there's, you know, like, like there's, there's a sense of relief and justice there when you see that the terrible people get blown away. Right. But at the same time, it, it doesn't really address, it's one form of payback, but it's not justice. Mm -hmm. Justice is so hard to um, really establish. And the fact that they could feel the pain that they cause and stop hiding behind excuses, stop right. being the victims that like really acknowledge I did this. This is this. And this is what I actually did. Mm -hmm. This is how it affected people. It's still affecting people. It's yeah. like, um, yeah, that, that was really, um, much bigger mm -hmm. than just a simple, like, Oh, I killed them or I knocked them off a cliff or whatever. It's like, yeah, that, that felt much, much better. Yeah. That, that felt more, um, like justice was served. And there's a lot of, um, especially in the 70s, there was a lot of sci-fi that was based on seeing yourself. Um, mm -hmm. That was like the most frightening thing that could happen, to see your true self. And that that's really something big with humanity. It's like, yeah, so much of us is, are we brave enough to actually acknowledge who we are and what we stand for? Because it's very rare that any human can describe who they really are. We always describe ourselves as much, much better than we are mm -hmm. or much, much worse. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to actually just be accurate. You know, we have good days. We have bad days. We do really great things and we suck some days. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. It's the tide comes in, the tide goes out. So yeah, that idea about like facing your true self yeah. for better and worse. It's like, we don't know how to do that. That's well, And hard. what is that? What is the true self? And because... It's such a subjective thing. There's how you see yourself and mm -hmm. then how others see you is so varied. You know, it's like, do we ever really get to know what the true self is? And it's all like, like any good thing too. It's always transient. It, it changes. We're different people every day. We learn a little bit more. We react to things differently. Mm. Um, and it's not ever forward, you know? We yeah. generally hopefully move forward, but yeah, we have, we have days where we go back to our grumbly selves and days where we can like deal with stuff rationally and mm -hmm. use our resources and whatever. Um, yeah, we're complex and what a mess. But, um, Very complex. But hopefully we keep moving forward and we can learn more and take more in. Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully.
When Dream and Corinthian met at the convention, when was the last time they had met that they were that close? Did they ever cross paths in, in this series? Just in the very beginning, I remember. That first episode, right when he got caught. But I don't know if they crossed paths since then. Yeah. I don't think they I don't had. think they did, because if yeah. they did, he would have, Dream would have dealt with it right then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really liked how he uh, was reminding him, right, of this was your job. Your job was supposed to help people. Mm -hmm. Your job was supposed to help people confront the things that, that they don't want to confront, that they need to, right? Yeah. And then um, really <laughs> bringing the, this truth about, you know, all you did instead was scare people. Like, you just made people afraid. And that's so low. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's such a, a cowardly, worthless thing to do. Like it's pathetic. Yeah. You created for so much more mm -hmm. and you're doing this. And you're doing this really? Yeah. Like what a waste. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's that. I, I really appreciated that, <laughs> that, um, that framing of it. Yeah, and I think it's also very valuable, too, for um, when we think about the challenges we face in life to, to remind ourselves that, yeah, like, these are challenges, and most likely we're going to get through them. We might not. Mm -hmm. It might end us, but most likely we will keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. And hopefully the next time we meet a challenge, we'll be better ready to deal with it because we, we've been through this. So to explain what a nightmare is, it's like, yeah, that's so empowering. Yeah. I mean, literally empowering. Yeah. It, right. it, it's to learn from that. And it's like, yeah. And all, all the, all the great stories. It's like, yeah, the heroes have to meet. It's not over until they meet and work through whatever mm -hmm. their fear is. Their biggest challenge is what's inside. And that's, yeah. yeah, that was really cool. I really liked that. I think it was also in that same scene where they were at the, I was at the conference, where they were at the convention together. Where was it there? Where Dream was saying without the rules, he would be consumed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, right. Because Corinthian was like, kind of like, blah, 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 you and your rules, blah, blah, blah. That's why I left. And he was saying, well, the reason why I have these rules is because it would consume me. And I think he said more after that, but I was so, I, I so got stuck on that, that I was like, Oh, like how, what, what's going on? I want to know more about that. Yeah. If he identified too much mm -hmm. with humanity, mm -hmm. then, then he would start feeling those weaknesses and that would cause him to collapse. Mm -hmm. And if he collapses, I mean, he is dream. Yeah. All of that goes, which means in the subconscious is, doesn't have the relief and the balance that it needs. And mm -hmm. so, yes, everything would just destroy. Yeah. Humanity would go insane. In therapy, we call that boundaries. Nice. <laughs> right? It's like I have to have these certain boundaries, not to keep people out, but to be able to have relationship with, with people. Yeah. And that, that's Dream's issue is he didn't know how to establish boundaries. It's, it's like his idea of a boundary was a wall so tall you can't see through yeah. it because he doesn't want to see the other side. That would be like too yes. dangerous. But letting his guard down and having a friend that he meets every hundred years mm -hmm. or being able to have a conversation with Lucian, mm -hmm. a real conversation with a coworker. Yeah. It's like that kind of relating 
is understand it, it's like yeah it's like being able to be the boss mm-hmm. have as many subcommittees as you need but still like you know you can be in charge yeah yeah boundaries yeah what, but, what a great concept but that was a really great not explanation but i was really glad to hear him say that to, that, to, to yeah. acknowledge the fucking thing that everybody was being so frustrated about was mm-hmm. him and his damn fucking rules why are you like this right. oh this is why okay right this, this is what dream is afraid of okay mm-hmm. this is good to know mm-hmm. but yeah and, and he was able to get to that more flexible place by the end right yeah yeah. What was the turning point for him? I think there was a lot of self-sacrifice when Fiddler's Green came up, offering to sacrifice himself so that Rose could live. Beautiful. And Dream was like that. You know that that that's that's a, a wonderful offer, but it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. And then the grandmother came, mm-hmm. and then you found out that she, you know there was actually a mistaken identity thing. It was like yeah. the family line thing or whatever. And so there was all this examples of. The, this nobility willing to sacrifice yourself for the love of someone else so that they can go on just seeing that one after another example of these people who are willing to do the right thing mm-hmm. hopefully it inspired him to do with the right thing to try to find a way to do that and then of course when he realized that he was betrayed by one of his family members trying to get him to kill one of them which is definitely against the rules and then that yeah. would cause all sorts of chaos and i think yeah that was probably just seeing so much it's like it really makes you question who you are and how, you know, all these people are doing all these, these big dramatic things, you know, there, there's the self-sacrifice, there's the love, there's the trying to, to be honorable. And then there's this example of betrayal. And it's like, I Mm -hmm. think that's really created this perfect place for him to, you know, really question, well, how do I fit in this? What can I do? What, what should I do in this situation? And then it was interesting too, because he didn't kill uh, Unity. It oh. didn't. It, it seemed like Unity did it herself. She ended herself. Oh, she herself. died. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it didn't. Her human it, self died. Yeah, but it didn't look like it was Dream doing it. Like Dream was there prepared to to end mm-hmm. um, Rose, but it looked like Unity took it on herself. Yeah, that's she took the, the heart, and it looked like she she made the effort. Mm-hmm. So that was that was amazing too. It, I mean, it, right. I can't remember what happened when she said what happened, right? She kind of fainted a little bit and she was like, what happened? What was the answer to that question? She died. He said, you died, but... You died so that Rose can Uh, can live. But then what happens to her? Because she's just hanging out in the dreaming right now. Oh, didn't he ask her, like, oh, do you want to be something? like?" Gosh, I don't recall. I know he asked Rose. He said that she could be there forever Mm -hmm. if she wanted. After mm-hmm. she was dead. But yeah, I don't re- recall what happened to her. Didn't she crumble in, away? And dissolve away? I don't think so. Huh. We're going to have to go back and look at that. I guess so. Because I, I thought he asked her, like, oh, do you want to be something like a dream or something? Or was, I can't remember. Right. Because she was saying, like, oh, you know, um, she mentioned about the 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 father with the golden eyes and mm-hmm. he was like the fucking golden eyes mm-hmm. and then it cut to him going to the the wall the gallery oh okay right so we didn't get to see what happened to great grandma unity which i really like her so much she's yeah. another one that i just uh, she's just so awesome in this really uh quiet way you know yeah that quiet strength she's mm-hmm. she's definitely knew who she was 
Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was very powerful in that way. And never mind, like nobody it's even says like, oh yeah, she was raped, basically. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's like, I don't know, it was strange that she was talking so dreamily about being taken advantage of while she was unconscious or asleep, you know? Yeah, I guess she's had time to uh, think about that. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Wait a minute, no. Wait a minute, no. She saw him, so I don't think it was a physical mm-hmm. impregnation. I'm yeah. just barely getting it right now, sorry. That's why I'm like, what the fuck? That's so fucked up. She got pregnant in the dream when she met him. Yeah, she was okay. asleep the whole time yeah. during that span. And right. that's what's unusual for everyone else in the waking world. It's right. like probably some orderly got fired or something. For I'm that. assuming she got pregnant the same way Lida did, right? Do you think? Well, I don't know. Lida's was related to... Her dead husband. Yeah. Her ghost and, and of the, the husband. And the vortex because of Rose. Was that vortex energy within Unity, even though she wasn't consciously awake well she didn't have any babies yet yeah so she'd had it and then it got passed down to the babies yeah i don't know know. if it was active maybe it was active just enough but um well all i'm saying is if she was physically impregnated while she was asleep that's fucked up that is i don't know how i don't know exactly the details of that so in those final scenes when she takes um when what's her name um rose takes this heart out and gives it to unity and she's holding it and it's this ruby heart right mm. and morpheus is looking at it like he looks and he's got this look like oh shit and i thought oh is that is he looking at it that way because it's a ruby right mm-hmm. and then when he goes to the gallery i'm like oh it's because it's desire sigil that's amazing. The way it was shaped yeah. and the details of it. So he recognized, he was making all those connections right in that moment. Like, oh, fuck. Okay. I know what's going on. And that's interesting that Rose didn't have any idea what it was. It wasn't her like Mm-mm. creating that on the spot, but Mm-mm. somehow she tapped in. That was the essence. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's. So wow. she took the vortex out of herself mm-hmm. and gave it to her grandmother. And then it shattered in the grandmother's hands yeah so and that seemed to me like like the grandmother doing it rather mm-hmm. than dream stepping in and doing it right right yeah that that was very that was different i was not expecting it like that it was also so beautiful how gilbert was explaining to rose that he was a place he's like and if you mm-hmm. if you stay come you know, sit under my trees and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I want to sit under your trees. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. That's it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But it was just very beautiful. I mean, what a beautiful um, person. I keep wanting to call him Rolling Green <laughs> and then Green Gables. But he's green. What? Fiddler's Green. Fiddler's Green. Fiddler's Green. Mm-hmm. Also had a wonderful theory about why the vortex exists because that was kind of hilarious well she's like so then what's the point and dream's like i don't know mm-hmm. right? i don't know i, I, I just know that they're supposed to kill you right and luckily dream was in a state where he what he wasn't gonna slap down somebody who like interrupted him with an idea it's like thank you for coming that far and letting him talk mm-hmm 
Yeah. He, he dismissed it in, in some way, but not nearly as bluntly as he was doing it before. But um, he didn't turn it into dust for a thousand no. years. Yeah. <laughs> But Fiddler's Green's uh, description theory, I thought, was also very beautiful. You know, about the vortex being in between and the remind needed there to be the reminder of why the humans are important to their existence. Yeah, I thought it was really nice how we we had an introduction into that idea from death mm-hmm. when she was talking to to Dream to remind him, and so yeah, it was nice that we came back to those words, to that idea, really the definition of who the endless are, and um, and that interdependency, <laughs> which is really well, that seems really to cool. be the lesson. Yeah, right. She had to figure out how to be with humans so that it, she wasn't getting burnout. Mm-hmm. And dreams having to figure out how to be with humans so that he's not ruining people all around him and having people hate him, right? And, While he's just trying to do his job. And be able to be there in a real sense to be the best Morpheus he can be yeah. while not imploding on himself and destroying everything. Mm-hmm. Learning boundaries. Yeah. Right. And so I don't know what that relationship looks like for the other siblings, you know. But having to learn how to be in relationship with the people that the humans that they are supposed to be serving. Yeah, that that's a very good question. There was also something else that um, Fiddler's Green said that I was like, oh, there it is. Yeah, it was a pleasure being human with you. Yeah, I love that line too. And I was like, "Oh my God, that is my epitaph." I was thinking, yeah, I wonder how many people will try to use that as their last lines. Absolutely. I mean, if I had a gravestone, I'd have it engraved in there. But I think that's a perfect way of departing. Yeah, I really like that line too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not even thinking about it as last words, but you know, on a will or on a, you know, your epitaph is your after you've already gone kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the kind of line that comes to you in a, in a dream or in just some kind of really lucid moment. And you're like, boom, there it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's one of those divine droppings. <laughs> yeah, Sandman is full of those. nice that the house is going to um, continue being owned by eccentrics <laughs> and that the, the drag performer gets to um, is setting off to follow their dream and Rose and her brother are going to like set off to try to have a normal life although they're going to be filthy rich and able to do anything they want so that's nice right I know I was like I hope great grandma wrote up her will redid her <laughs> estate yeah, it, it sounded it sounded like she had said something, and I'm it, like like the solicitor had already taken care of that. What do you think about that final final scene about hell being in hell and Lucifer being bossed around by these demon generals or colonels or whatever? What the hell's that all about? Well, it's politics. It's like yeah, Lucifer is in charge, 
but there's all these other generals, and of course they're in fucking hell. So it's like, yeah, there's all sorts of backstabbing, there's plots, there's like, mm -hmm. it is a political nightmare. Um, so yeah, if your underlings are putting pressure on you to do certain things, you can't just always tell them what to do because, I mean, they're constantly conspiring against each other all the time and mm -hmm. there's so much going on. So everything is shaky in hell. And this leads into, um, it's wonderful the way it ended. It's like, cause you wonder what, well, like Lucifer is going to do something that even God will be shocked at. It's like something they've never done before. So it's like, and you're left going, well, what is that? I want to know. And that leads to like one of my favorite story arcs. Oh. Um, and I've actually told you about it mm -hmm. in different ways. And it's, mm. and, um, and yeah, from, from that is the spinoff. I think they had three, three seasons of the Lucifer show. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you think that's where it'll go? Well, in the comics, that's where it goes. No, but do you think that's where it'll go in the show? I don't know. I mean, it would be really cool to do that and kind of funny, not funny, but, but kind of odd because yeah, they did the Lucifer show and the I Lucifer saw, show, I, the da, Lucifer da, da, show. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and honestly, that's kind of what it was like in parts. Um, yeah. I, I was only able to see like the first season and a half before my life fell apart, but um I really liked what they did with that. So it would be kind of weird. I mean, we, we do so much with like movies and prequels and things shot out of sequence in today's world. Yeah. So it would be interesting to see them do a series where we know mm -hmm. kind of where it's going. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, I really loved the characterization of Lucifer in, in the, in the series that they did. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. It would be interesting. I mean, people, of course, all the fans want another season of the Sandman. Oh, and there are seventy-five ep ep issues, so there's a yeah. lot to draw from. Yeah, yeah, I don't um, see how they wouldn't. But yeah, that would be a big question. It's like, well, do you want to go into that? Because do you want to do it in order? Um, mm -hmm. Like, how long can you get a network to actually stay focused long enough <laughs> to um, realize that there's a lot of people here and it'll draw more people in? Or do they get distracted and like wander off to something else the way um, that network executives do? I don't know. It would be really cool to see. Um, she got the numbers. Yeah. What I've heard so far is that the show is having like the most, it's like so the most watched show right now. Oh, that's great to hear. On Netflix. Yeah. So, so with that and the way it's wrapped up, I'm like, mm, yeah, we'll probably, we're I, likely we're going to see a second season. And that's really cool, too, because, like, the Sandman, like, we didn't see, like, sex scenes dropped into here to keep the story going. Mm -hmm. We didn't see, like, a lot of extra flash. Um, the, the comic book was super popular without going there. Yeah. Um, never catered to things like that. It was about stories about human emotion and thinking things and... and yeah. Being clever in really heartfelt, non-smartass, I'm... I'm throwing my words around just to show you how cool I am kind of way. <laughs> um, and it, it was, it was an amazing series and it still is. People are still picking it up and, and being amazed and getting so excited by it. And so, yeah, there's a lot to work from and that's really cool that they didn't have to do anything. The series is so cool that they didn't throw in anything like yeah. that. 
Yeah, I was thinking about that today, how, you know, the comics that, that are, that we're most familiar with, right, that have long history and movies and TV shows, they, they're all about, you know, fighting and brawn and women in tight outfits, you mm-hmm. know, um, and odd proportions. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it seems, you know, as, as these episodes keep going on, I'm like, yeah, I really get it. I really get it that, that Sandman is the thinking person's uh, comic, you know, graphic mm-hmm. novel. Yeah, I, I, yeah, in the battle between um, Morpheus and Lucifer is a wonderful example that it's not two people punching each other. It's like they were using their minds and their words. And their cunning. I'm going to fight you with my words. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> Quills at noon. I love that, yeah. <laughs> One thing that's really uh, really powerful with the Sam, it just, it's written, like we had, we had talked about this before, about how so many of the episodes stand alone so well mm-hmm. and it's like they introduce so many characters and you get the story and then they can jump to the next one and like like we're probably never going to meet anyone from the diner again and that's okay i don't know they're, they're there was out. that one girl yeah in the picture that, in the picture yeah that and that's an odd thing so yeah i don't know what that's about but in general yeah it's like it, it's written so well that you can have like a ton of characters come in not get bogged down with them and then move on to something else and it just has a very real feel like like, yeah, there's people around you all the time who each have their own individual lives and sometimes they cross. Mm-hmm. That's real life. And so often what we see in movies and, you know, books and whatever, it's like a play. It's like, here's the stage. Yeah. Here are the, the, the characters that we have for this and nothing else happens. We imply that there's things going on. Mm-hmm. But there's so much, um, it just feels very realistic the way that people interact and like, yeah, they've got their own stuff going on. And it's like, and that's cool. That's fine. That's the way it should be. It feels more realistic. so much of what made the comics really stand out and really be great um you know if, if you read a story and then you tell your friends later about it if the story is worth retelling mm-hmm. that's a powerful story mm-hmm. and because these stories had characters who are well thought out who play off each other really well and they discuss all these ideas like what does death mean how do you deal with that what is a dream you know um how strong is a dream? Where, where does that fit in? I mean, these, these are big concepts. And it was really cool to see these um, not watered down at all, but what made the comics really great. It was wonderful to see mm. those represented in the show. And these short, relatively short episodes, just, I mean, yeah, I, I, I really liked the adaptation. I enjoyed it quite a lot. That's so cool. That's good. That's so good because it's so disappointing when something you really have either, um, you know, still strong connection to or have really good memories about, you know, gets adapted and it's just horrible. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the, that's the scary thing. 
like the Snoopy, right? Like the newer Snoopy cartoons that they were doing in the movie is like, mm -mm, I don't want to watch that. Yeah, yeah. Neither of us have been brave enough to see the new Snoopy movie because we're just so accustomed to movies going terribly, terribly wrong because they were started by the the studio executives who don't know anything about storytelling mm -hmm. or what made it popular. They're just looking at like dollar signs and it's like it just destroys these stories. Yeah. And that that's a terrible thing. Um, stories are powerful. I mean, they're how we relate to the world around us. They, they, they shape us. Mm -hmm. They um, allow us to relate to other people. They're magic and they shouldn't be messed with. Yeah. So I'm really glad it, it, uh, it was done, done in a way that, that you don't feel like it was ruined. You know? Yeah. And like we were talking earlier, um, when we first started watching the show, you know, it, it's like, because I trust Neil Gaiman as a storyteller, I wasn't worried about too, I wasn't worried too much about changes being made because when you tell a story, there's a lot of people who are really offended and really shaken when one telling of a story isn't exactly the same as the previous telling. Mm -hmm. They want it to be true. They want it to be, um, you know, canon. It's written. This is the way it is. Mm -hmm. But stories adapt. And like one day you might be really into one aspect and another day you might have had something happen in, in your life where some where another aspect really affects you more and it, it it's more relatable or maybe you finally get something that three years ago it went right over your head right. so yeah so so because life is like that life changes it grows it evolves and we mm -hmm. as living beings change and grow and evolve all the time i think i'm more lenient about storytelling being different and and morphing a little bit as it goes because it's fun to see what people do with stories and a lot of people just screw them up and that's terrible that happens with so many movie versions of things but this i was excited to see where it would go because i knew neil gaiman was involved and, and yeah. that's and that's the way it should be the writers should be involved that's a good thing yeah so i, I was open to see what what little changes i would see and um the ones that i saw that i picked up on you know they, they didn't bother me I have ideas why certain things were done, you know, and, mm -hmm. and yeah, so, so it didn't shake me at all. I really enjoyed it. And I would sign on for season two. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed it. I really, I love the worlds that are created in there. I love the storytelling. It just feels so just respectful to storytelling <laughs> mm -hmm. and series making, you know, yeah. It doesn't cheapen cheapen the craft, you know. I don't know how much needed to be compromised to put this out, but it didn't feel overly compromised, which is hard to really know because you don't know what the original idea is, you know. But there was enough in there that felt like it was a little edgy for some things. Yeah, and this and this being your first introduction to these characters really. I think that's great that you have a, that you come away with a feeling like that that they feel true to you and you enjoyed the story and, and um, that's great. Yeah. And I think um, it's, it's, it was enough for someone like me who has no background with, with the series uh, that you could still follow the storyline without having to have the encyclopedic knowledge of the world that it's coming from. Yeah. I think that's very important. Yeah. Some people really value having all this backstory and all this, this, Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's it's like 
like they are asking you to do homework. And I mean, the comic books were crafted so well. Neil Gaiman is a wonderful storyteller and comic books have a limited number of pages. So if you want to make an issue work, you have to be good at, um, you have to pace it. You, your dialogue has to be something that can be fit into word balloons. You know, yeah. it's like that, that's a very real tactile challenge that, that you have to deal with when you're producing those. So producing a movie based on these comic books so closely, it's, it's like, yeah, it seems like a lot of the work was already done as far as the pacing and everything. Yeah. But still, we've seen so many comic book adaptations just totally screwed up because they try to put too many stories in or they try to give us too much backstory that, that mm -hmm. they made up for the movie or whatever, and it just really doesn't fit. Right. But yeah, yeah, the, the original comic books are, were really well-crafted, and this was, yeah, I feel like it came together really, really well. Well, all right. All right, job well done. <laughs> Huzzah, people. Thank you for joining us as we review another episode of the Sandman series. If you'd like to continue the journey with us, subscribe to the podcast so you can stay in the loop of new episodes when they're released. If you'd like to check out Jeff's work, you can find him at jeffworks.com. That's J-E-F-F-W-E-R-X.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, please go to our channel on Anchor. You can find us at Platicast. That's P-L-A-T-I-C-A-S-T and click the message icon. Or you can find the link in our show notes. Thanks for listening and we'd love to hear from you if you have any questions or if you'd like to share your thoughts, hop on over to our website at platicas.com. That's P-L-A-T-I-C-A-S-T dot com. Or send us an email, platicas at gmail.com. Huzzah, people.